0: People, 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 welcome back to another pre-recorded podcast of the Arsenio Buck Show, man. It's great to be back and great to be had. Bringing to you today another episode in terms of, of course, Stephen Covey. You know what, guys, to be honest with you, gorgeous sunset out right now. I was laying on my bed. I've been banging a lot of things out because I have so many things I'm preparing for in terms of, like, guest speakers coming onto my ESL podcast from different countries and of course I was just being grateful, but then something told me Stephen Covey. So here I go, I open up a Stephen Covey book, and of course over the last 20 days, um, there had been an unbelievable amount of views on one of my blogs and my podcast, it was Stephen Covey's Emotional Bank Account. And I realized that I knew that would be extremely critical for a lot of people out there. Now, I only got 20 views on that particular blog just last year. I can't even remember what I, when I did it. It had to be around September or October. But this year alone, it's gone up 500%. So then I'm like, okay, well, I think people are really, really starting to dig to Stephen Covey because, well, honestly, the best podcast I've had in my history, the one that has the most plays is Stephen Covey's At The Center. And so I'm like, you know what? I think that Stephen Covey is the man. I think this is helping a lot of people in terms of me getting a lot of stuff out there. So I reverted back to Stephen Covey, and I found a wonderful entry inside of, of course, his uh, seven habits of highly effective people or highly skilled people, something like that. Yeah, anyways, here we go. Force Field Analysis. Restraining forces versus driving forces. So there was an entry in his book, an excerpt. It says, sociologist, I'm sorry, by the name of Kurt Lewin, he developed a force field analysis, which is a model, basically describe any current level of performance or being as a state of equilibrium between the driving forces that encourage upward movement and the restraining forces that discourse it. So basically... In dumb English, your driving forces are generally positive, okay? Reasonable, they're logical, they're conscious, they're economic. However, restraining forces are often negative. They're often emotional, they're illogical, they're unconscious, and social, and psychological, okay? Now, the thing is, most need to be taken into account when dealing with change. Now, of course, I've given you so many Stories about my family and stuff, but the most notable one was, before I went to Australia back in 2011, I remember my mom cried, she got in the car, and that was the last time I ever saw my mom. Because that's when my mom was driven by something, I don't know what it was, but she was driven. By the time I came back a year later, she had given up. And so when I was in that atmosphere, of course, again, this is basically those restraining forces. So, of course, me having my Bose headphones and me putting them on and saying, you know what, the only way I'm going to get out of here, because I'm with misery right now, the only way I'm going to get out of here is if I ignore this and begin ignoring it right now. Because, you know what, the restraining forces were just so... It was just one of the most toxic environments I've ever been in. Of course, being at my last job and stuff like that, we always go through these things. It's nothing completely abnormal, but it's being consciously aware that you're in a despicable environment and that you need to get the F out. Because if you don't, you will become that misery. So... Think about it. Some of you right now, think about those times that you feel unsafe. I remember there was an HBO documentary nine years ago. It was called Every Fucking Day of My Life. This lady was absolutely abused by her husband, her newly husband, who would go out, you know, killing deer, doing this. And she said, well, guess what? After I got married with him, he started abusing the hell out of me. There were holes in the walls everywhere. Oh, holes in the walls everywhere in the house. The kids would see her get completely beaten by her husband for years. And then they finally, you know, orchestrated a a murder. And they absolutely murdered that man on his bed. One of the worst cold cases, as a matter of fact, of all time. Why am I telling you this? Because a lot of you probably right now feel unsafe in those environments, now of course, if you look at what's happening in terms of religion and whatnot in different countries and having arranged marriages, uh, you know you got the arranged marriages in India. Of course, you guys know how that is. If we go to Tajikistan, they have the bra- or is Uzbekistan? I'm sorry, they actually kidnap the uh, the wives before they get married. It's it's a crazy crazy thing. This is just what they believe in. But to a certain point. When you feel unsafe because if you speak up to your father, you're afraid of being disowned, abused, or ultimately killed, it's scary. Remember, there was another story, and this happens a lot in the African-American community. There was a kid that said, I was afraid to go to sleep in my home because I was afraid my father would kill me. So when you think about these in terms of expressing your feelings, this is why so many people have these anger issues. If you're able to look at yourself in retrospect, I'm talking about look at yourself through someone else's eyes and say, you know what? I got all this anger. I got all this jealousy. Where does it come from? A lot of it comes from the household, those restraining forces. Guys, remember back when I was in two What was it? 2003? Those were some of the most difficult, that was one of the most difficult times of my life because I was going through a range of emotions. My mom had lost her job. We didn't have much food in the house, but it really wasn't that. There was a lot of uh, at-school problems, right? I like one girl. She didn't like me back. Another guy came into the picture. She left me. Liked another girl by the name of Maria. da 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 Things went sour. I'm talking about two breakups within a couple of months. And next thing you know, by December... I was depressed and I still remember walking literally depressed at the age of 15 and so think about it follow this story now this is a good one 15 I remember going into the bedroom my brother was on the bed he's like are you okay it's the first time my brother hasn't asked me a lot of questions uh <laughs> my entire life but uh he was like are you okay I said man I don't know what I'm supposed to do I'm really sad about this he's like "Well, oh, I'm going through that too Said, uh, do you know NATO? NATO was basically in the same band as the other girls, you know what I mean? So, uh, and so me and my brother, we were going through these hard times together in a sense, and then of course, my mom was trying to make ends meet, she had to sell her card to give us a Christmas, and she did. And about a few weeks later, she finally got a job. Thank the universe. Um, but I'm telling you this story because throughout that time. I started becoming very emotional with college basketball games. Remember those stories I would tell you about me slamming the controller on the Blitz 2003 PlayStation game. And my mom would say, what the fuck are you doing? Stop hitting the ground. I'm like, I would cry at the age of 15 because of a goddamn video game. North Carolina lost to Duke. I I was reduced to tears. I went upstairs and my mom looked at her friend and she said, Something is wrong with my son. But you know what? All of that was taken out. And you know what? It happened in back-to-back races. I went to Bullhead City, Arizona for the first time. Of course, this being a little bit of a foreshadowing for the couple of coming years because I ended up going to school there um, in 2006. But with the Bullhead City, Arizona, I really thought I was going to do amazing I thought I was going to do amazing. In this specific event, 110 meter hurdles, and you know what? I fell apart. I fell down. I, I had the same tantrum I did with the Blitz 2003 game, with the Duke versus North Carolina game. I cried. I went back to the stands, and I had a friend by the name of Donnie, and she said, Stop crying. Don't worry. Get back to him. At the 300 meter hurdles, at that moment, I was completely broken, just like the movie The Gridiron Game. Remember when Dwayne Johnson was actually looking at the kid and he was like, listen, stop looking around. You got no boys out you no boys out here. You got no guns. You got nothing. All you got is what's underneath that helmet in your goddamn self. Knock me on my ass. Oh, that scene is beautiful. You can actually check it out on YouTube. But that's what happened to me, guys. I had nothing else. I was crying. Now I had control of myself because I was crying because of a specific race. A race that I had failed at. I couldn't go back to the Duke in North Carolina. I couldn't blame it on the PlayStation. All I could do is blame myself for it. And once I was able to do that, about probably two hours later, the 300 meter hurdles came. And I took all that anger out in that specific event, getting first place and celebrating like crazy. I was like, mommy, mommy, oh, my God. I called the other girl that actually left me a couple of months earlier. I was like, oh, my God, I did it. She's like, oh, my God. I said, oh, my God. She said, oh, my God. You know what I mean? See, guys, we go through these these changes, the climates, right? So it's all about building up a positive environment. Now, I just gave you a huge example of what I dealt with in my personal life. But at the same time, at two, in 2003, my family was far more supportive, of course, compared to what they are today, which they're beyond unsupportive. They don't speak to me, right? But a lot of you are not able to express yourself. Sometimes you react to certain things, and you're saying to yourself, like, why did I react that way? Well, if you could actually go back and trace back and ask yourself, oh, wow. Well, this happened in my childhood. Do you think this is affecting me to my present day? More than likely, it is. See, a lot of things in terms of the driving forces. You're, it, these driving forces, mainly being positive, a lot of these driving forces ultimately become restraining forces because you get a demand for work. You get a demand for doing this. You have to do this. You have to do that. You don't have time for the kids. You get it requires a lot of energy. It, now, the thing is, driving forces, they could also bring a lot of results. However, restraining forces and everything, it, it, it's just going to be more difficult. You think you're Superman. You think you're doing so much, but ultimately, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. So what Stephen Covey talks about is, well, creating synergy. So basically, this creates an atmosphere where you feel safe about talking about the restraining forces. It can be restraining forces at school, which a lot of children just do not speak about because the parents aren't open about it. And this is what happens when it comes to parenting. There needs to be parenting classes out there for a lot of parents. See, when you're able to create an atmosphere where you can actually openly speak about a lot of different range of topics, you can create insights you can involve people in a problem. I remember there was one time I went up to my mom and I was like, "Mom, you know, you know the best, the best mother moment ever. <sighs> this is the best mother moment I've ever had in my life. 2008. Girl ex-girlfriend, she was being very distant. This the breakup was coming. She was being an ass. She was being all the things in the world, right? So I'm over here talking to her on the phone and she is just being the biggest toolbox ever, right? So I'm like, hey, so why don't you speak to me? She's like, I don't, I don't know. And she just kept giving me two to three word responses. And then I literally blew up and I lost it and I started crying loudly. And I think that was the first time my youngest sister ever heard me cry. And next thing you know, I heard someone coming up the steps. And you know what? My mom came into her room and she took the phone. She said, I'm sorry, Christine. Arsenio can no longer speak to you right now. Probably call him back another day. And she clicked on her. And my mom just walked out the room. And I was like, Wow. I never... Uh, you know what I mean? That's that mother moment I wanted. That's the mom that I needed for so long. Come in here. Go into the room. And after she clicked, she should have said, Man, that is a hoe-ass girl you speaking to. No, I'm kidding. That, Oh, that would have been beautiful. <laughs> no, I'm serious from a serious, like, from a very, 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 very serious standpoint, wow, that's what parents should do. Beloved, you know, I would have sat down and would have said, you know what, Arsenio, if I was that Arsenio, if I was telling myself that Arsenio on that specific day, given that type of parenting advice, that kind of driving force that a young kid needs in one of the most critical stages of his life, I'd be like, huh, she's not listening to you. How long has this been happening for Arsenio, I hate to tell you this, but it's coming to an end. I'm going to need you to start distancing yourself from her. You got to keep yourself busy. Go meet people. Now, of course, this was back in 2008. There was no Tinder. There was no Scout. There was no this. There was no that. There was no Facebook groups. There were no YouTube communities. There was barely any YouTube. But that's what I would have told myself back then. See, my mom, at that specific moment, she could have involved... She actually... Somewhat involved herself in the problem that I was going to. She soaked herself into it. She felt it as her problem. And then she had to become the important part of that solution. Oh. Is that a beautiful thing or what? That's parenting. That was the most. Go- you know what? And I'm probably going to have to make a separate podcast on that. Because Oh, that was a beautiful thing. And you know what? I'm just so grateful for it. Because that was that special moment. That was a special moment I had. And a lot of you probably have this every single day or you know, you have parents that do this and do that and (sighs) those are the moments that I'm still grateful for today. And you know what? During those months when of course ultimately that girl Christine ended up leaving me and whatnot, that was the closest I've ever been to my brother, and that was the closest I've ever been to my sister. And that was the closest I've ever been to my mother. And I still remember before Christine had hung up, she was like, do you know how poorly you you treat your youngest sister? I'm like, what? She's like, you have your youngest sister. You need to go create a relationship with her and stop calling me. She said that to me. And right when she said that to me, I was like, whoa, okay, bye. That was it. I got the hint. And you know what? That's when the culture of the house began to change. It was a more positive reinforcing environment. Because Christine made the best bold decision in her life to cut me the F off, in which a lot of people end up committing suicide all around the planet for, because, oh, my girlfriend, she left me. I'm going to kill myself. And you know what? Just three months before that, I had a friend by the name of Chester. He hung himself in Hawaii because of his ex-girlfriend. Was I going to do that? F no. What Christine did that night was made me reinforce the, the bond I have with my family, that last bond I have with my family at that specific moment. And then it propelled me to Australia, and I never looked back. So can you create that positive environment? Absolutely. I think I could have done better in terms of being that figure in my family. I still remember one night sometime between 2012 and 2013, my mom looked at me while she was watching stuff. She's like, do you really believe this? And she was talking about the secret. And I'm like, mom, how do you think I am where I am? How do you think I am where I am? But you know what? I never really sat down and said, Mom, look at this. If you could just read this. If you could just hear me out for an hour. You know what, Mom? Let's go have some dinner. Come on. Just me and you. Let's go talk this out. You know, if if we were, if we she was able to do that, if I was able to do that at that specific moment, it would have created a bond that far surpassed money. It would have. But you know what? You live and you learn. But if I ever do have kids in the future, <laughs> I, I've lear- I've lived through everything. I've learned everything, and now I know what to do going forward. So now the question is, what are you going to do with this information? Because you have the power to change everything. And with that being said, people, thanks for tuning in to this nice, oh, and I mean it was a nice podcast. By, of course, your host, Arsenio. Stay tuned for more, and as always... Of course, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. Your host, I'm going to say it again. As always, uh, the Arsenio Buck Show, over and out.